you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to the book of Luke. It's good to see all of you here tonight. It's a privilege to come to God's house. It's a privilege to worship the Lord. We're not people who are religious, but we have a relationship with God. That is why we come. We come because we love God. Not because you have to be here, but you want to be here. You're supposed to be here, but you should never come because you're supposed to come. You should come because you want to come. Because you love God. Amen. You don't have to beg a Christian to come and worship God. That's what they are. That's what they do. And uh, I know that sometimes it's difficult and some people live distances and some people have to work. Sometimes we're, we're under the weather. I understand all of those things. I'm a very gracious guy. And I just want to, and I'm, I'm being honest with you I, I'm, when I say that. I think I can say that and I can say that with confidence and say that I, 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 I know that things happen and I want to be gracious to people and and not come and beat you over the head every time you miss. Amen. This isn't keeping a record and keeping a roster. You know, I can tell you the only one that's keeping anything is our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, the Bible says everything you say, every idle word is recorded, so we need to watch what we say. Amen. Be careful what you say, because uh, every idle word's being recorded in heaven. We're going to have to give an account for it one day. And what we, what we are and who we are, we're going to stand before God for that. But I'm so grateful that uh, Jesus died for my sins so I don't have to. Amen. only thing I'm supposed to do is die to them. Amen. He died for them. I'm to die to them and mortify the deeds of this flesh and bring it all under subjection. And, and, uh, but I'm thankful tonight that the love of God constrains us to follow after Him. And... Um, uh, uh, and tonight in Luke chapter 2, we're going to read the scripture and read one more, and then we're going to pray and get into the word of God. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, the scripture says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then also over in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, you can turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, it says this. But to us, there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. He is our Lord. Everything exists because of Him. Everything that concerns our life and everything that happens and where we are and who we are and even the progress of our life in Christ, our faith, is because of what God is doing in our life. Now, we obey Him. I get that. But I can tell you, the only reason we obey is because He prompts us. He deals with us. You ever went through a time where you didn't really feel like praying and maybe you didn't even pray, but then you felt a little conviction and a tug or maybe a lot of conviction and you find that secret place and you dive in there and you cry out to God and you're like, Lord, why did I even for one second think that this was something that I should lay to the side and I should neglect? 
neglect this altar. No, I, I'm, I missed out on an opportunity to be in your presence and honor you and glorify you. And so I'm grateful tonight that we have this great experience in Christ Jesus. Amen. This ain't a funeral home. This is a, 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 this is a place where eternal life dwells, where the spirit of life is. Amen. The life in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to be teaching tonight on Jesus is Lord. And uh, if you would just pray for me tonight that God will help me and strengthen me and speak through me to say what he wants me to say. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege and the honor to come and to be here in your house. Lord, it is my pleasure. It is my honor, Lord, that I stand here, Lord, ready to serve tonight, Lord, and ready to stand behind this sacred desk and speak to the congregation that's here tonight. Lord, I want to speak and minister and deliver my heart and deliver my soul and deliver, Father God, what you placed upon me and in my spirit. And I pray tonight, Lord, as I begin to do that, Lord, that you will let the word of God have free course. You'll bind every hindering spirit bind everything that would come to try to rob the seed of life the seed of the word out of our hearts and prepare the ground Father God that the seed can sink down deep and minister through me tonight God to this congregation but greater than anything let them grab hold of this in faith and God faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word let it sink down deep minister to their lives and God I pray that we will be exercised unto God Godliness. Oh yes, tonight I thank you. I praise you. I honor you tonight and we love you. Have thine own perfect will and way. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Praise God. I'm excited. I promise you. There's times I get to pray in before the service. Get to praying before I preach the word. And I feel the spirit of God. And he said, that's his stamp of approval. God anoints what he wants to anoint. Amen. He anoints the, the person speaking or the person singing or playing or testifying or whatever that they're doing. He anoints them because he has, he has a reason and a purpose. They carry an anointing so that they can minister to someone's heart. And so why am I saying that? Because I didn't come here just to go through another service just to go through. This is not a job for me. I'm not your preacher. I'm his. Amen. I belong to him and what he tells me to speak. I speak. I said, Lord, I may not be the smartest, most theological. I may not know everything about doctrine. I may not know everything about, you know, exegesis. And I may not know everything about hermeneutics or homiletics or anything like that or eschatology or pneumatology. All of those things. Maybe you know that tonight. I don't know Greek. I don't know you know Hebrew like others may know but I know this much when I get down on my knees I say God speak to me and talk to me give me a word from God because those people are coming tonight and I want to minister to them and I want them to get what you're saying what they need God to hear tonight hallelujah Praise God. So what you hear come from these lips, I pray and submit myself to God and give myself to Him that He will speak and Him alone. I quoted these scriptures and I'm teaching on Jesus as Lord. And we're going to get to how this applies to us and how we practice it momentarily. But I want to stroll down through the Bible, so we understand God's purpose in establishing the lordship 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there were places where God is referred to as Lord. And we know that Jesus is God in the flesh. If you don't know that, let me give you some insight from the Word of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. People say, He's the Son of God. I said, I know that. But there is so much Scripture that will tell you that He is God. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Well, I'm telling you right now, it's in the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's First John. Actually, John, the first chapter in the gospel, not the epistle. But it's all there, and there's many, many, many more scriptures that I could give you. But all I'm saying to you is this tonight, that, that, that I, I, I want to stroll down the Word of God and go through the Bible to establish something from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Lordship, when I say Lordship um, of of. God's creation, giving him the rightful place that he deserves, uh, was, was absolutely changed in the garden. It was lost in the garden. God didn't change. Man changed. And so God did everything he had to do to bring man back to a place where he worships God as Lord again. And so lordship was lost in the garden for us concerning man. And from then until Jesus debuted as a baby, God has orchestrated a plan for us to be reconciled and restored back into intimate, tangible relationship with Him. You say, tangible. Oh yes. The, uh, the apostles and the disciples said, we seen Him. We felt Him. We touched Him. Peter said it. John said it. He said, we handled Him. And he said, the very things that we've seen and heard, we declare unto you so that you can experience that too. That is something that's so awesome. We don't say serve a God that's far off that we can't touch but we serve a God who lets us feel his spirit down deep within us and we can feel him he's as close as the mention of his name but he's in our presence whenever we call upon him he says here I am amen I'm right here beside you I'm right here in this room with you he is a tangible God I've been in services where the Spirit of God was so thick, you could cut it with a knife. It was so beautiful. It was so awesome. That's the God we serve. But we see here in the Scripture, everything from the Old Testament moving into the New, God began to orchestrate and bring back and restore and reconcile an intimate, tangible relationship with God. And if you don't have that tonight, you can. You should. You are sliding yourself and robbing yourself if you don't. But we have this wonderful relationship from Abraham to Moses to David to the prophets. One link at a time, God has brought about redemptive salvation and lordship. He's restored it. And that's exactly what he did here and why I quoted Luke chapter 2 because the angel wanted Mary and Joseph and those in the word of God to know that Jesus, yes he is the Messiah who will take away the sins of the world. He is the one that will save us from our sins. But he is also Lord. He's God in the flesh. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Are you here? 
Oh, I'm excited. When I get excited, I raise my voice. My goodness, if you're not gonna you you if you're not gonna be passionate about something, let somebody else do it. I can tell you when Tom Keynes has been out there on that football field, he doesn't sit by on the sidelines and just kind of speak under his breath. No, he's yelling, he's screaming, he's shouting, he's waving his arms, he's passionate, he's walking back and forth and looking up and down. Because when you're passionate about something, you're gonna be animated. It's all right. Somebody said, God's not deaf. He's not nervous either. In Isaiah chapter 44, the Bible says this. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 44, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb. Now he's talking about Israel. He's talking about Uh, the Jews and Israel, but we are included in this mix. We are Jews grafted in. As Christians, we come through Christ Jesus and we have His royal blood and His DNA flowing through us. We are spiritually adopted and children of God born from above. But he said, Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb. Were you not fearfully and wonderfully made? Yes, every one of us in here was fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, which will help thee. So he says, Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. What does Jeshurun mean? I can tell you, Jeshurun means the upright one. That's who that is. And you'd have to go back to Deuteronomy, I believe the 32nd and 33rd chapter, to see that. But he says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Aren't you thankful that he pours out his spirit upon you when you're thirsty and floods upon the dry ground? Praise God for that. When Jesus is your Lord, He will pour water upon you in your dry and thirsty land. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. Praise God tonight. You know why, Mama Andrea, your kids are sitting in church? Because God has poured out His spirit upon your seed. He has poured out His spirit upon your children. That's why, amen, they're here tonight. Praise God. And if you are a seed that is somebody that's living for God and you're not embracing and accepting and receiving the outpouring of the Spirit, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to be thanking God tonight that there's a Spirit of God that can be poured out upon you. Receive what God is trying to do for you. Don't let that go off and drain off onto the ground and wither away. But receive it because there's no greater blessing than receiving as the seed of God. The very outpouring of his spirit. Let me get on with this. He said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's. Hallelujah. Are you saying tonight, I am the Lord's? I belong to the Lord. I am the Lord's. He said, 
they will say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. In other words, he is my father. I come under his name. Everything that I am is because of the name of Jesus. I'm born again from above because of what Jesus did. I'm a child of God. And he says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of kings, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. The the Redeemer is Lord. I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. There is no other God but God. There's no other God but Jesus. He is Lord. And he said, And who as I uh, shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appointed the ancient people. He's talking about Israel. And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? No, no. No God beside me. Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Now he goes on in that chapter you can read it on your own time but he goes on to talk about the vanity of graven images you shouldn't have any graven images nothing the bible says that in the ten commandments i don't care what religion it is i don't care what it is i don't care if it's catholicism or buddhism or some other kind of hinduism or something like that nobody should have a graven image they have nothing no angel's going to give you power only God he's he's a spirit amen and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth and never bow down and pray to an image I used to have somebody they come they said little angels out there I go out there and I sit and I talk to that angel I said you're talking to the wrong person first of all all that angel is is just a statuette It's just a piece of plaster. It's just a piece of wood or a piece of metal. And somebody made that thing. Let me tell you, aren't they more powerful than that image? And I can tell you, if they made that, then it's certainly not a God. You would look at the person that made it and say they're God. But they're not even a God. Only God that created all things is really truly God. So don't pray to nothing like that. I wouldn't have anything like that. The Bible says not to. That's all I'm going to say about that. Not because I don't want to say anymore, but because I want to move on. Amen. I don't feel like I have to tonight. But he speaks in these verses of a future redemption and lordship. Because God calls those things that are not as though they were. They didn't understand redemption. They didn't understand that there was going to be a Messiah one day. But God, through the great prophet Isaiah is speaking to them about this great Lord that's going to come. And he said, they're going to say, I am the Lord's. I go by his name. I'm one of his children. I'm part of his seed, or I am of his seed. So, And, and he said, they're going to walk upright. Jeshuan, Jeserun is what they're going to say. Is who they're going to be. I'm going to call them by that name. In other words, they're the upright ones. Even whenever you and I may not necessarily be walking upright God looks at us in Christ as people who are right with him 
Now, we may have to pray through and repent of things, but he looks at us and he says, they are my child. I love them. I see them in Christ. Now, if you abandon Christ and you walk away, that's a whole other message on another day. But if you are striving to serve God and you fail, I can tell you he still sees you and he loves you. In other words... There will come a day you will call me Lord and you will walk upright. It blessed me. I've had people that came to me and they said they weren't even right with God. They were away from God. Amen. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Andre, I remember I was in my car and you came up to me. It was about three years or so before, two years before. I don't remember how long, but you came up and you're leaning over that window. You almost started crying. She was like, one day, Pastor, one day I'm going to be in that church. I'm going to be in there with you. I'm going to be in there praising God. She, I, I said, oh, man, God's already working. Amen. It's been a long time coming, but it finally came. Amen. It finally came. I knew. He said, she may not be calling me. Lord but she will call me Lord she will pray in the spirit again she will serve me her family will rise up and call her blessed and me blessed but he said in other words there will come a day you will call me Lord you will walk upright in order for this to become a reality Christ had to come and die Isaiah 9 tells us That unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Amen. In Isaiah 53, he tells us he was wounded. This chapter 9 talks about his birth. Chapter 53 talks about his death. And it's all there in prophetic utterance there but it tells us he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities I got to turn there and read it because it's just too good but in Isaiah 53 I love that scripture it says in verse uh, uh, verse 3 he is despised and rejected of men which Jesus was he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief which he was and we hid as it were our faces from him and they did and he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted uh, but he was wounded for our transgressions praise the name of the Lord praise God I I, I hate the fact that Jesus was wounded but I'm grateful he was wounded for my transgressions and for yours he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and with his stripes we are healed not only did he take the punishment not only did he take all of the suffering not only did he take the hell not only did he take all of the abuse but through that abuse God said I'm going to bring a remedy and a healing for your body, a healing for your soul, a healing for your heart by your by his stripes. We are healed in the New Testament. It says, We were healed. Hallelujah. We were healed when he said it is finished. And he said, All we like sheep have gone astray. Anybody ever went astray in here? Every one of us has. And he said, And we have turned to everyone to his own way. Anybody went their own way? 
way, I went my own way. But it says, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Hallelujah. Thank God tonight to, for you and I, we have this great Savior. And he is Lord. Why is he Lord? Because he was born of a virgin and fulfilled prophecy. He was born, amen, conceived of the Holy Ghost. Very much man, but very much God. And he died on an old rugged cross and fulfilled all of the prophecy to the letter. All of the prophecy concerning his birth and his death and his resurrection. And there's more you can read in that chapter. Read it on your own time. But an eternal atonement was purchased and restored for us. That lordship had to be restored. We come into the New Testament and the Savior, the Savior, this Lord is now here. The angel says His name is Jesus. He is the Lord, the Christ. He is Lord. And the work of the gospel, the work of the grace of God, the mighty work of the powerful Holy Ghost is to establish the lordship of Jesus. Look, just because somebody knows that he is God, they may even believe that he's God, but they don't worship him. Abel brought a sacrifice, and he made God his Lord because it was accepted. Cain brought a sacrifice that was not accepted. But he never fixed it. Did you all get that? Cain brought a sacrifice. Abel brought a sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice was his sheep. He shed a lamb and shed its blood and brought it as a sacrifice. And God accepted that. Because there's no atonement, the Bible says, without blood. But Cain went over and he brought his squash and his zucchini and his cucumbers and his pumpkins and all of his corn and all of his stuff and laid it on the altar. And God said, you know, that's, that's a very nice gesture of you, but that's not a sacrifice that is acceptable. And rather than go and slay a lamb and bring a blood sacrifice, he slew his brother. So one made... God his Lord, the other one did not make him Lord even though he knew who God was. There's a world out there and there's people that they will at least admit that there is a higher power somewhere. But they won't move any further than that and when they're standing there on that final day because they did not make Jesus their Savior or let Him be their Savior, but they thought, I'll save myself. They're going to stand before God for their sins, and He's going to say, you had an opportunity, and now it's too late. That's why you got to get right with God on this side of eternity. He recognized God's power and authority to judge and to show mercy. Cain did. But he never made him Lord. Think about that. He never made him Lord. He said, Cain, if you will just do right, sin is crouching at your door. And, and, and he never did. And then there was a mark placed upon him because he murdered his brother. And he said, this is too much for me. And God even had mercy on him then. 
And he still didn't make him Lord. His descendants were people that were known for rebellion and ungodliness and paganism. If you study the scripture, I just want you to know, Paul, the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, made Jesus Lord. The first thing that came out of his mouth, whenever the light shone on that Damascus road and he fell to the ground, was he said, Lord, Lord, is that you? Yeah, it's me, Paul. Lord, Lord, that was the first thing he said. And he he, he did not just recognize his authority in Acts 9, but he called him Lord before he ever made him Savior. Think about it. Then he made him Savior. I'm telling you, it was three days when he was there blind, couldn't see anything. And Ananias was told, because Ananias knew who Jesus was. He's Lord. And he said, go down there to the street called Straight. There's a man there named Paul, Saul of Tarsus. And I need you to go down there and pray for him. He said, Saul of Tarsus, he is the greatest enemy to the church. He said, I know, but he is going to suffer great things, but he's got to be used mightily for me and for three days he sat there you know I think sometimes people now this is just Jonathan some people would disagree with me but I believe that the way I feel is correct I believe that people need to make up their mind before they come down and make a commitment with their lips that their heart doesn't agree with That's why I've got people in and out and up and down. Make up your mind. I'm not saying that you should take a long time to make up your mind. I'm just telling you that before you utter words to God, you better make sure that you mean them. When I gave my heart and life to Jesus, I I spent some time, you know, wavering back and forth. Was I ready to give up my sin and ready to give up the things that so easily beset me and the things that were plaguing me, the things that God was looking at that was the sinful and the lust and all of that, all the nature of who I was, that old Adamic nature, the person I was. I wasn't ready to sell out, but the day I was ready to sell out, I made up my mind and I put my hands to the plow and I never looked back now I'm not saying that I never struggle with things in my life because this flesh still wants to pull you back but every time I got back up and I said I'm going to keep on serving God I've made Jesus my Lord not just my Savior why did you say that pastor because the apostle Paul sat there for three days and I think he went over and over in his mind I'm either going to do this all the way or I'm not doing it at all And on that third day, hallelujah, somebody came out of that grave. He died there those three days. Just like Jonah was in the whale's belly. Read it. It's all there. I'm not making it up. I didn't get this out of the internet. But he called him Lord. He made him Savior. God healed his eyes. And then he went into the ministry. And he experienced great things. But he always preached, make Jesus Lord. Absolutely. You read his scripture, read the scriptures, I'm sorry, that he penned and he wrote in the New Testament. The Corinthians and Romans and 
in the in the the letters to the churches, the Ephesians and Colossians and all of you'll see these things. And even Peter, they talked about how Jesus is Lord. I gotta move on here. See, I want you to get this in your spirit. Number one, because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. But they may not have confessed him as Savior. There's a difference between you and I confessing Him as Savior and Lord and bowing before Him in humility and praise and worship. And old Kathy Griffin or Bill Maher or some other ungodly person that on that day they're going to say, yeah, Jesus and all the things they said. He's going to say, get down. You're going to bow. Your tongue's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. You never made Him Savior. But how much greater is it when we make Him Savior and Lord? You want Him to be your Lord because when He's your Lord, it affords you so much of a blessing from God. Your salvation to come to Him is a miracle. Danny, you're a miracle. Judy, you're a miracle. Bella, you're a miracle. This brain takes a few seconds. I had it there on the tip of my tongue, but I was afraid I was going to say the wrong name. I'm a miracle. Stevie, you're a miracle. Gabby, you're a miracle. Maida, you're a miracle. We're miracles in this place. Well, I was raised in church. You're still a miracle. It took a severe miracle. Because when you're lost and you're a piece of trash and you know it, You ain't got no other hope, just come to Jesus. But the people that a lot of times have been raised in church, they think, amen, I was born this way. No, you weren't. You had to be born again. There's only, there's two types of sin, unrighteousness and self-righteousness. Going on, it's by His might and power that we make Him Lord. It's by His might and power that we submit to His power and authority to say He is Lord. That's not something you choose on your own. It's something God put within you and gave you the strength and faith and power and grace to do by His Spirit. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, let me give you a scripture here. Paul the Apostle said, Nobody can call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Nobody can call Jesus. That's exactly how it's written. No one can call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Paul in Romans chapter 10 verse 8 through 11 he says this he says but what saith it he's talking about the word the word is nigh thee in you near you even in your mouth and in your heart some people it's right there it's in your heart it's in your mouth but you sit there in that chair and you say I can't go tonight I can't go Sunday morning I can't I'm not going to get it you it's right there don't let the devil hold you back don't let anything keep you back from surrendering everything it's right there it's nigh he's nigh you the word's nigh you you already know the truth God's made it known to you You just need to pull the trigger. Spiritually, that is. (laughs) Clarify that. But he said, But what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, 
Because everybody will make him Savior, but not everybody makes him Lord. Savior says, I know he loves me and I know he died for me. When you make him Lord, you say, I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I could just stop right now and have an altar call. But I want to finish. But he goes on to say that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him, has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. See, it's not just him, you making him Lord. That's one part of it. But you got to believe in the power of God. You got to believe in the power of God. And the power of God that raised him from the dead is the same power that will raise you up out of a sinful place and forgive you of that and deliver you from it. You have to believe that. Some people are like, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. But I just don't believe that it's going to work for me. I can tell you it will if you believe for it. Amen. He's the God that moves mountains out of the way. And that mountain may just be a mountain of disbelief. It may be a mountain that says, my sins are too big. No, they're not. God's bigger than anything you could place before him. There's nothing, nothing that God cannot overcome in your life by his spirit and by his grace. There's nothing. Amen. But he goes on to say here, for with the heart, for with the heart believeth, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I can tell you. That's why the apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans 1, 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Some people, they'll shout in church, but they get on the job and all of a sudden they become atheist. The problem is when nobody knows that you're a Christian, what kind of a testimony is that? Amen. I've had people even say, well, they don't know me here. I said, and that makes a difference? Jesus is watching. How are you going to win somebody that you don't even know if you act like that? Come on now. Oh, let me go on here. I'm talking about, I'm talking about making him Lord. And how that he's there and he puts that in us to make him Lord. Clearly this scripture shows confession of Jesus being Lord comes from within you. The Holy Spirit is near. It's a position of rest. It's a position in God. I'm telling you, he's my Lord. That's why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When God is your shepherd, when he's your Lord, when Jesus is your Lord, whatever you have need of, he's going to take care of for you. But the Holy Spirit is near you. He's working inside your spirit and in your heart. You couldn't declare such a glorious truth otherwise. He's there. It's nigh you. Speak it. Get in that altar and speak it. Lord, you're my Lord. I make you my Lord. God will do the rest. All you have to do is say, Lord, I come to you. Lord, you're my Lord. You're my Lord. 
I didn't know how to pray. I said, God, here I am. I'm crying. I said, what I was saying in my spirit was, you're my Lord. I finally came down here. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if I got snot running down my face. I don't care what they think or say. I need you. I'm tired of this life. I'm empty. I'm dead inside. But he began to bring life. I stand here today alive. You couldn't declare such a glorious truth otherwise. That's why Thomas said in that room, he said, I won't believe unless I see him. Well, Jesus walked through the walls and he said, here I am. Here's the scars in my side, in my hands, in my feet. Put your finger in them. So he did. He said, the next scripture says that Thomas said, my Lord and my God. God will make himself real to you. He's not going to expect you to come through. I mean, yes, we step out in faith and we believe in faith, but he's not going to uh, not give you some evidence whenever you step out in faith. He told Peter, step out of that boat, and he stepped out of that boat. The evidence is I'm walking on water. Somebody said, only one person walked on water. I said, no, two did. Two. Wasn't very long. Get your eyes off of Jesus, you'll sink. But the evidence is, my God, he's doing something supernatural. The supernatural is that I'm not acting like I used to act. The supernatural is I don't have to get drunk tonight. Amen. The supernatural is I don't have to go back to those drugs. The supernatural is I don't have to go back to that relationship and that inordinate affection and that abomination, that lustful sexual relationship or that encounter. I don't have to go back to that, whether it's male, female, or whatever you want to call it. I don't have to go back to that sin. I'm telling you, God has done something miraculous in my life. The ability we have to make Him Lord comes from the faith God gives, the grace He bestows, and the Spirit that He imparts. He creates the fruit of our lips. It is a miracle, a miracle, did you hear me, that we make Him Lord. It's a miracle, an absolute act of God because of His grace. He must be Lord of everything or He's Lord of nothing. Can't say, well, he's Lord when I go to church. But when I get in my car and I'm on my way home, it's my time. No, you're a hypocrite. Actually, you need to get born again. You don't have two separate lives. I have my spiritual life, you know. Then I have to, you know, separate that from my career. No, you don't. No, you don't. Bless me, Brother Kevin was sharing with me uh, the day we went to the graduation for Jeremy. And, and he, was, he was sharing with me. And, and we were talking about how that his boss called him. Because Kevin talks to everybody about God on the job, everywhere he goes. Within reason, I mean, he, 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 you know, but he talks to people. If the door's open. And, and he's, you know, he's one of their best salesmen, so they don't want to lose him either. Maybe if he wasn't... As good at what he does as he does, as, as he is, you know, they might tell him, well, you know, we don't want this guy here anymore. But I can tell you God has him there for a reason. God's preserved his job for a reason. Amen. And his boss said to him, you know, Will, can, can you just please ask people before you talk to him? Because there's some people that may not want to hear what you have to say. Well, all I can tell you is this, that he's not budging. I mean, he said, I'm, I'm gonna, I've got to share. I have to answer to God. And I'm going to share. 
and, and, and I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to share the word of God and I'm going to share the life of Christ. And, and, and with respect, we don't just go in there and just, you know, uh, what I'm trying to say to you is that we have to take every opportunity that we can get. And, if it, and, and you shouldn't on the job necessarily, but you need to. You need to be sharing the gospel with people when you get an opportunity. And whenever you're on break, you're off the clock. So take that opportunity very, very wise. He that winneth souls is wise. I'd talk to people about God. And you know what? They may, they may ignore me. They may say, I don't want to hear it. But when they were going through the trials of their life, the greatest storms and tests, the tragedies, guess who they came running to? The person they knew would pray. The person they knew has a connection because I've made him Lord. It's a miracle. And we have to know we're a miracle. Because we've made him Lord. And he must be Lord of all things and everything. Or he's Lord of nothing. Many welcome Jesus with joy to be their Savior. But they bristle to make him Lord. But why? Because it demands submission. It demands relinquishing rights. And I'm reading a book on discipline. The disciplined life. And it's just spanked me all over the room. Had to get down and pray. But discipline and submission unto God is the marks of spiritual maturity. It's the evidences. We think of discipline only in the area of prayer and Bible study. But let me tell you something. He is Lord over everything in your life. He's Lord over your appetites. So people say, I just can't live without it. Yes, you can. You can. You can. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I'm doing it. You can live without it. God can deliver you a cigarette. He can deliver you a pot. He can, come on now. Everybody's going, oh, nobody does that in here. You don't know what people do. I don't know what people do, but I know one thing. When the Holy Ghost tells me to say it, it's time to say it. He can deliver you from alcohol. He can deliver you from porn. He can deliver you from addictions. He can deliver you from lustful appetites and things that, are in, that, are, that have become a vice to you. I'm going to tell you right now, we always look at people that have addictions to something that's a substance, but food can be an addiction too. If you can't turn the plate over, I'm telling you, I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to all of us. If we can't turn the plate over, there's something wrong. Don't say a word to the drug addict until you can do that. Amen. Come on. Gluttony's a sin too. We don't like to hear that because, you know, Pentecostals, they, they don't like to do that. We, we have a great doctrine. We go to church and then we eat. That's what we do. It's like Aunt Maida said. She said all these people that got off of drugs, they just started eating more. Amen. They started eating more. Come, into, come on now, church. Don't even look at me like, oh, pastor, get off that or I'm leaving. Let me tell you something. We need to be disciplined in our life. And if he's Lord, he can say to you, today, turn that plate over. Amen. Go ahead. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Don't say, devil, you're a liar. No. <laughs> See, you got me up here sweating now. 
He must be Lord of everything. He must be Lord of everything. Not just disciplined in Bible study and prayer. You know, but does that Bible study and that prayer meeting get all over you? What's it do for you? You've got to ask yourself that question. Am I a doer of the word or just a reader of it? A hearer of it? Do I get down and pray and God lays things on my heart? But by the time I get up and I go five, ten minutes, what he told me to do, I throw off. He is Lord over your appetites. Or are you given to impulses, desires, and pressure? Some people are disciplined to maintain a testimony or witness of Jesus' lordship over them. In all cases. They say, no matter where I'm at, and they have proven that. Everywhere they're at, people know what they stand for. They know he's Lord. And then there's other people, it depends on who they're around. It's like the Christian guitar player that was playing the guitar. Somebody came up to him and said, I want you to play some of them oldies, you know. No, I don't do that no more. So why don't you play that, you know, Don McLean. You ain't going to Don McLean? No, I don't know Don McLean. I'm not doing no Don McLean. I'm not whatever his name was, Don McLean. McLean, however you say his name, (laughs) you know. (laughs) They say, there's a lady in the back there, she said. She wants you to play a song. Don McLean, I'm not playing Don McLean. She's got 250. She wants to give you. I said, a long, long time ago. <laughs> People go be like, what? What? Is he Lord of your life? I don't care if you offer me a million dollars. I'm going to sing for Jesus. Come on. Amen. <laughs> had somebody one time, they wanted me to marry them, wanted me to do their ceremony. And the Lord emphatically told me, no. And their parent came up to me and they said, it's going to be a great party. I said, I don't care about parties. They said, they want you to marry them. I said, I'm not. I didn't. I just said, I just, I can't. I'm not. They said, but they want you to. They're going to pay you $2,000. I just sat there and I went. The Lord said, I told you no. Because if you go there, what you're doing is you are stamping what they're doing with approval. And I'm not approving of that. This is number three. And this guy, all he does is treat them like a piece of trash that's disposed. And he goes on to the next one. And you can have a million dollars in your pocket. But he said, you do that, you'll disobey me. And I said, Lord, you are my Lord. He said, that's what I want to hear. You're my Lord. I don't care if they offer you 10000 or 20000 I don't care. This is what I've said to you. And the devil, the devil will see to it that he tries to name your price. Is he Lord of your life? Listen. Some people are disciplined to maintain a testimony or witness of Jesus' lordship over them. In every case, some it depends on who they're around or what they're offered. He is Lord. He is Lord. He must be Lord over our appetites, our priorities, our allegiances, our emotions, our moods, our speech. Everything. 
The colt had never been sat on until Jesus sat on him in a triumphant entry. Yet he never rebelled or objected. What does that say to you and I? Number one, the personality and the character of a donkey is stubborn rebellion. Does a donkey have more character? and uh, Not character. Does a donkey have more submission and making Jesus Lord than a human being who is a living soul? Think about it. But what use is a colt if it's not submitted? It's of no use. And how glorious is it when it was? It was a carrier of the anointing, and you get all the blessings of being there along for the ride when you make him Lord. Jesus said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say in Luke 6, 46 through 49. There is great glory and honor unto God. And he honors us as well with his safety and protection in storms. And we make him our Lord. Because in that scripture, I just quoted just the, the short part of that. But it talks about the storms and how that whenever you make him Lord, you do what he says. You build upon that foundation. And when the storm comes, you're still going to be standing when the storm comes. So there is great glory and honor unto God, and He honors us as well with His safety and protection in storms when we make Him Lord. That is not determined until the storm takes place, but it is the test that reveals everything. Safety, protection, provision, leadership, all of that is your blessing when Jesus is your Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalms 23. I shall not want for nothing. He leads me. He provides for me. He protects me. He covers me. He blesses me. Let us live submitted to Him as Lord, not offering lip service, but obedience unto Him. And if you get off, just remember the blood, because the death angel remembered the blood. I'm telling you that ought to make you shout. Just remember the blood. If the death angel came and could not cross that bloodline, you've got to know this. If I stay under that blood, I remember that blood. There's power in the blood. I want to share a story real quick. It'll just take me a minute, and then I'm going to close. Years ago, my dad told me a story. When they were kids, they had a little... I was a Shetland pony, but a little pony. And uh, that pony was so rebellious. They said it would just buck and it would just, you couldn't hardly ride it. You got to know something about Shetland ponies. You can put a saddle on them and strap it around their belly and they swell up. And when you're riding, they'll let the air out of that tank. And there goes your saddle. They're just something else, you know. But... <clears throat> he said they had so much trouble with that little pony and that pony's name was Star and uh, they would beat that head of that horse trying to get it with the old piece of rubber hose hitting that thing it's still nothing an old Indian told my dad and his brothers 
He said, you need to get some warm water and a Coke bottle. He said, when you slap that pony on the back of that neck, dump that water on him. And he said, they'd be riding that thing, be getting all cantankerous. And he said, they'd slap him with that hose and dump that water. And he just stood, just... They said, why, what, what is it about that? He said, he thinks he's bleeding. There's something about that rebelliousness in us sometimes. I can tell you the blood pulls us back into where we need to be. Man, he's Lord. He died for me. He deserves my submission, my obedience to make him Lord. Amen. When I see the blood... I'll pass over. That death angel said, there's power in the blood. What Jesus did for us, I'm telling you, ought to make us say, Lord, you are my Lord. When I, when I see the blood, I, I know about the blood. When I recognize it. See, we forget sometimes. We're like, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. Then you get yourself in trouble. You start getting beat up. And then you realize, who the blood the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood when you're in your lowest moment, when you're in a mess. Have you ever been in a mess? You ever been where you're just, you involved yourself in stuff and your whole mind has just been plagued with all kinds of things. You're dealing with depression and oppression and all kinds of stuff. But the blood of Jesus breaks that every time, every time. Every time. I felt times whenever I got down to pray, and it was my own cotton-picking fault, but I got down, and I just felt like I was, my hands were tied, like I was just oppressed by the enemy. But I began to plead the blood and plead the blood and plead the blood and plead the blood, and I kept pleading the blood, and finally that thing broke. Because I can tell you, the devil has to answer to the voice that comes from the blood. He has to. He has to. The blood will never lose its power. Tonight, if you're in this place, before we leave... If you want to get in this altar, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord, this is your opportunity. Maybe some of you forgot the person you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to worship and the allegiance and submission that God deserves, the obedience that He deserves. That's what this altar is for. Get in it. Let God do something in your life. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Would you bow your heads in prayer?